Welcome everybody to the Pro Wrestling World Podcast Revival, right? My name is John. Welcome Dan to the podcast. Good evening. Hi Dan, how are you? Oh, it's fantastic. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it is. You know, and there's so much to talk about this week. We've got everything going really? on. Really? I haven't seen anything go on. <laughs> 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 it's been a quiet week. I haven't seen anything all week. Yeah, it's you know, I, it almost seemed like uh, absolutely no problems in the world of wrestling today. It's no, been an none. Absolute quiet week. It's been quiet. I mean, the, the major news story I think in the world, uh, the Queen uh, Queen Elizabeth II finally died. But as far as the wrestling world is concerned, I I heard nothing. <laughs> <laughs> This is an iceberg that do we want to just go right into it? Cause I feel like it's the, the major story of the week. Uh, maybe even of like one of the major stories of the year, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Um, because this very well could be uh, the beginning or one of the beginning chapters uh, that people look at of the end of AEW. Um some could say that this could be the beginning of the end of companies. Some could say that this is a staple moment, kind of a crossroads where Tony Khan needs to either go left or right. And his next decision is going to have lasting implication on his ratings, his partnerships with networks, his partnerships with sponsors, and also more importantly, sponsorships not more importantly than sponsorships, but also morale of the locker room. And this is, it's a heavy decision that he has to now kind of live with of, is he going to be able to have these people coexist still? Or is he going to have to make a choice of what talent he wants to keep and what talent he wants to leave? And there's and pros I, and cons to both sides. Well, I feel like the common trope about AEW up until this point is their roster's bloated. The roster's bloated. Everyone started saying that last year. Everyone started saying that this year, and we talked a little bit before the show. You can't keep having these home run swings every single week. You no. know, who's debuting? Who's, you know, going to be the new faction of the year? And you still have all these other toys that you just kind of put in a corner. You know? He only has so much television time. He only has three hours a week, and he has quarterly pay-per-views. Um, last year's All Out did about 200,000 buys, about 200, 210,000 buys. Um, this year is expected to do between 130 and 140. So you lose 70,000 people? That's a significant. That's, I mean, that's a 25% hit right there. And you can make the argument that's because of the fact that they did not have a main event promoted until um, four or five days before the show. But I've always argued that, you know, you know, regardless if you're going to buy the show or not, yeah. like if that, that fan. Yes. If you're a fan of this promotion, if you're a fan of AEW since day one, it doesn't matter what's on the card. You're still going to order it. I just I think feel like that, that's WWE's philosophy under Vince the last couple of years before he retired and he's he's not wrong he wasn't wrong entirely but i think that the problem is is that 
he just was so cookie cutter about everything. And just, I honestly think that it was like they had templates built for the scripts and those were the scripts. Some, you know how you have like Google templates. They probably just yeah. had them all for every week. It was just like, we're just going to run this one from three weeks ago and see if they notice. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that that's, but I think now with triple H, it's been completely different. Um, yes. And that has also swung momentum and locker room morale because a year ago, WWE's locker room morale, even six months ago was probably plummeted. Well, and no, isn't that the, the pendulum, you know, yeah, WWE's the, morale is tip top. Everyone's saying this is great. Getting their names back. They're happy as can be. And now every time you read about w or AEW's locker room, it's a rah, rah speech. Everyone seems to be excited for the future. Who do we need to cut from the fat? And I don't think AEW, uh, even back in the pandemic era in 2019 or 2021, because it is a brief you know, existence for the company. It's four years, right? Right. Um, four complete years. They really don't have much to go back from. But if you look at everything but this year, it's nothing but all friends wrestling. You know, everyone's happy. This is the best place to work, you know, and now it's just either exposing the toxicity or people who have had uh, too much company pride finally saying, I'm done. I've reached my boiling point. You know, I need to air my frustrations and they're doing it in probably the worst way I've ever seen. I mean, the scrum last week with CM Punk, um, you can make an argument that everything that he said was not far off base. You can make that argument. You can make the argument that he would like, uh, that he was wrong on all everything that he had said. There is one huge factor in all of it that I have heard from everyone. And it's a common thread about this wrong time, wrong place shouldn't have happened. And the fact that it, that the person that signs his checks was 18 inches to his left the whole time and did not do anything speaks volumes. He never covered his microphone and whispered into his ear, cut it out. He never looked at one of his technicians or said cut the feed or anything he let it happen he let that go on for 20 more minutes of just him not only running down talent that he has under contract also his executive vice presidents who are also tied in with the fact that one of the executive vice presidents matt jackson in fact his wife is also one of the major contributors to the company also. So it is almost like a family business because it's not only the executive vice presidents that have put their, all their efforts into this company since day one of its inception, but also their family's livelihoods are also involved. Okay. And it's, it, it was, it was entertaining and fun to watch, but at the same time, it was uncomfortable. Well, it's and as much of a fun as watching a train wreck. It is. You know? And I mean, the thing is, is that it's at the fans' expense. 
Let's not forget that, right? I'm in Chicago. I had dreams and visions of going to Rampage last year. I didn't make that happen. I regret that. I at least got to see CM Punk live at the Dynamite in Chicago last year for Thanksgiving. That was fine. That was fine. I got to see CM Punk live. I got to see Danielson. I got to see Sting, right? MJF. Whole kit and caboodle. Could I be happier? Absolutely not. Who loses, though, when CM Punk shows, this is who I am again. I am the snake. Here I am. And even if he was right, no matter what, he could have left it at, I am not friends with Scott Colton. Please don't ask me that question again. And that's it. You know? He's somebody that always has to have the last word. He's somebody that always has to um, be able, and I'm a huge fan of CM Punk. You know, like the the pipe bomb, uh, you know, that whole summer in 2011 kind of got me motivated to get be able to get my own life kind of together career wise that got so, me back in wrestling yeah it's just like it it kind of was like a, a boost to my morale and to just say that you know i was able to do some things with my career because of that so it's like and um the funny part was is that when he was champion a year later he actually came into my work uh, cause he was doing media. I worked at a radio station at that point. He came in and, uh, I got to meet him, got my picture with him and everything. And, you know, I even told him, I said, and he was champion at the time. And I just said, thank you for putting, I feel like value back in that championship. And I meant it and I still mean it. I still say that was one of the better championship reigns in my lifetime in any company. And, um, you know, to see that last week, you know, it was like, it was hard to watch and also disheartening. Cause it's just like, this is a guy that you look up to, you know, this is a guy that, you know, he's one of your favorites ever. And, you know, he's pretty much just on stage committing career suicide. You feel like, well, and let's just talk about, right. How lackluster, how lackluster two reigns with the AEW championship, both of them vacations, essentially. Snake um, you know, first time, of course, everyone's going to say, you didn't vacate the championship. He was uh, the interim champion was Moxley. And then they had the unification match that he lost immediately. You know, so what did he do? He won the match, never defended it, defended it once, lost it. Right. What's the difference between a vacation at that point? You know, a, a three count. That's all it was. And you bring him back then two weeks later when it's in Chicago, the magical mystery tour place of AEW. Hey, I'm not mad, by the way. (laughs) But I feel like they come through Chicago so much and it's Tony Khan's home. That's more than fine. A lot of my friends have discussed that. They're just like, wow, they're in Chicago again. Who knew? Um, And I completely understand. Like, Chicago is one of the best wrestling uh, hubs in ever. But yeah. the problem is there is a uh, there is a term sometimes where you don't want to kill the town. <laughs> and I feel like well, when you're running... It's almost like, oh, honey, you're, you know, what do you, you want to do You just had a pay-per-view there in June. In town. Yeah. 
you just had a pay-per-view in June that was supposed to be massive, which it did okay, but it wasn't, I don't think. The problem was is that that show was snake-bitten because CM Punk was out with an injury. There were other yeah, guys that were out with injuries. Danielson, so it was Kenny Omega. Um, you know, Adam Cole ended up getting hurt in that show, and now he's still going to be... I mean, Adam Cole, when he comes back, is literally going to be a guy without a country because it's like uh, Bobby yeah. Fish is gone. Kyle O'Reilly is out with an injury. Killer, by the way. Yeah. Bobby Fish, I mean, what? Okay, can we just stop and talk about him for a minute? Because what on earth? We could talk about CM Punk. We haven't even gotten to the elite yet. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at my, our script notes for our skeleton here, and we have, we have so much we have not covered yet. But um, Bobby Fish is, he's just going off the rails. He gets released, for those who don't know, from AEW. Yeah. Uh, well, his contract right now, because that's Tony's style. Um, he got the Never Tony Khan release from AEW and just has been going on all these radio shows talking about CM Punk and he's like, as a martial artist, I let you pin me for the one, two, three. You should feel honored because I could kick your ass. And it's like, God. <sighs> you know, yeah. I feel like Jake Hager could say that too. You know, I feel like Danielson could say that. I feel like you know, Kyle O'Reilly could say that I I can go down a list. You're not the only martial artist that's in AEW. <laughs> and it's just, I, I love guys like that. That's just like, I let you beat me. It's like, that's how this business is. <laughs> it's a work, bro. You know, like uh, as Vince would as Hulk Hogan would say, uh, you've worked yourself into a shoot, brother. Um <laughs> You know, it's just, he has to realize that it's like, look it. Okay. Like if, if you were anything, uh, as a martial artist or as like an MMA guy, you'd be doing that, but you're not, you're in pro wrestling. Plus she's like 50. So he is so much older than I thought he was. I know I saw him without his, uh, it, there's pictures of him circulating now with others with no hair dye. My yeah. God, he looks like he's ready to go like at Sturgis, for Christ's sake, at like 65. <laughs> he's going to a Kid Rock show at Sturgis. Yeah, exactly. Watch Jackal. <laughs> <laughs> does anyone remember? Oh, I should say does anyone, but do you remember that there was a show on Full Throttle like Saloon? Yes. Yes, it was, I think, on <laughs> the travel. Which, again, when I worked <laughs> at this radio, this show is hilarious. So, but uh, it was just how many problems can Jackal create? And it was just a I, reality show about a band that no one cared about anymore. I was when I worked at that radio station, um, I worked uh, I was doing production one day in the FM part of the because I worked in AM and the FM part of the station and the FM was hard rock, kind of morphing into classic rock at that point. So I get to work one day and there's a tour bus outside of on Asylum Avenue in Hartford. And I'm just like, this is so odd. So I get in there and I go into the production studio, and it's the and it's the uh, it's the front man of Jackal. <laughs> Jackal, I, I forget his name, but I'm like, and the PD knew who he was because of course he was like he had all these music connections, and he's just sitting there and he's on his phone, like, and I'm in the production studio. I'm just like. Hey, how's it going? Had no idea who the guy was. 
And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh yeah, he's the lead cigarette jackal. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, okay, well, it's good. You're still alive considering they haven't come out with anything in like 30 years. That's good. <laughs> we buy Sturgis. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then of course the whole, the talk gets into the full throttle saloon and all that. I'm like, oh, that's where I know him from. <laughs> His name, by the way. Uh, what, what is it? Jesse, Jesse James, James Dupree. Dupree. Okay, yeah, it, that that I just all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, it was. I knew it was Jesse something, and then I was just like, oh yeah, Jesse James Dupree. I yeah, I met him. Unison. <laughs> <laughs> is it for me? Yeah, I, a former crush from high school. Um, <laughs> That was the last thing I was thinking about in high school was <laughs> freaking jackal. Jesse James Debris. <laughs> <laughs> just so random. He's just like, just... why is Jackal's why is Jackal's front man just show up today? Like, how is this even possible? Stir <laughs> <laughs> just got out early. Need to change my brakes. <laughs> in Hartford, Connecticut? <laughs> yep. <laughs> All the way from Sturgis. <laughs> He's probably going to find out that this someone was talking about him, and we're just going to get hit up by him. He's just going, "Hey, guys, got me on the podcast." It's like, uh, do you know anything about wrestling? No. <laughs> so he is not the jackal. Cross that off. He's not the jackal. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Kenny ends up in WWE if Don Callis is going with him because Don has always referenced that he's had heat with them for like 20 years so but again maybe things changed who knows but I also I... think I don't know I mean that's a thing so let's talk about the elite um yeah. Because they were also involved in this whole debacle. And when yep. CM Punk called them out by name, and it wasn't just a, hey, let's make a cute little hintsy. It was nope. your EVPs who can't even manage a target. I work with bleeping children, right? And right. The, the, the common conversation that night, which has soon come now to that it was much more de-escalated than originally reported is that they kicked the door down and everyone's going crazy. People are getting hit with chairs and bit and they're fighting CM Punk and Ace Steel and Ace Steel's wife and Larry the dog who's probably taking them all. Um, I mean, it, it, honestly, this could not have happened in any other career but wrestling. That or rock. Yeah, there's only two ways is this you're right there's only two industries this could have happened either pro wrestling or like rock concerts like at a, at a venue or something this is the only way that this could happen um i am trying to find out if they can confirm to me if matt and nick jackson in unison super kick the door in <laughs> like they they're when our powers combine we will be able to kick this door down and uh I also just like people were just like, well, you know, it was like they just went in and bombarded him. It's like, you think 
CM Punk sat there who, mind you, he may have lost in the UFC. He may have not gotten any victories in the UFC ever or MMA for that matter. Yes. And uh, my friend and I were talking about it, who, uh, who's a stepdaughter and his, in his, uh, I think his stepdaughter is about seven or eight. And he's just like, she could take the Jacksons talking about the young bucks. She's like, she by herself could take the Jacksons. So it's like, <laughs> oh, that's the thing. It's like, you ever see, um, comparatively bad NBA players, right? Play against yes. people on street ball. And yes. they are just absolutely mopping the floor with them. And then you're like, wow, if you could play like this, then why are you so bad in the NBA? Because you are looking at him playing against his skill level. Exactly. <laughs> Your skill level, largely way underneath that. You know, it's like watching an MLB player who hits 130 play against stickball players. He's right. still going to hit dingers. You know, I don't That's understand why where people get this. I, cause I think that it's just, they think sometimes in their own, cause they, they grew up with these people. They watch them every week and they win all these titles, but they also forget at the end of the day that a lot of these ti- that the titles that they win are kayfabe. Yeah. So, you know, there's only one person that could probably take out everybody in a shoot in the wrestling business and that's Brock Lesnar. Uh and maybe Bobby Lashley on the other hand. Imagine so it's two people. Pissed off Brock Lesnar. Oh, good lord. And I mean Can you imagine strapped <laughs> Can you to imagine the tea on a horny goat weed? <laughs> Blue chew and just ready to roll, man. Can you imagine him in the AEW locker room? Like just number one he would just destroy everybody in about nine seconds. <laughs> what if he, but what if that was Brock Lesnar who did the whole media scrum? Oh my God. That would have been one of the greatest. That would have been terrifying. Yeah. One of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in, uh, in UFC was Daniel Cormier. Uh, I think when he beat, when he won the, um, the UFC heavyweight title and then Brock came into the ring and challenged in the octagon and challenged him. Yeah, and then Brock's just screamed at him, "DC, I'm coming for you, MFR," and the whole place is just like it. He just looked terrifying, like to the point of where you're just like, uh... <laughs> 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 like he's gonna, like there are moments with him. You just sit there and you're like, he is just one of the most terrifying human beings I've ever seen. Like as a performer, because it's just, it, but also just in real life, anyways, just because of the fact you just feel like, you know, he literally could tear your head off if he wanted to. Because again, he was UFC heavyweight champion, which again, people will be like, but he wasn't as dominant. Doesn't matter, skill level. <laughs> it's a skill gap that he could kill you in the fight. Forget. Yes. You know, like in a real life fight, he's going to take you down. And it's just like that. That's the same thing that I think with CM Punk happened. It's like, I don't think he really wasn't concerned at all about those guys coming in and being able to get, because he would have been able to control them. But what um, the hell was Ace Steel doing? That's my question. Who he's someone? A, well, he's got to be able to carry CM Punk's bags. So, I mean, that's number one. I mean, who the, fights people. 
Tyson did, but like that was a completely different situation where, but and he, he was he like, his "Damn you off!" <laughs> and I love and I love Tyson. He's become almost like a grandfather grandfatherly figure now in his older age. Um, where 25, 30 years ago, you were just terrified of the guy. Um, and it's the same thing you you can look at with, you know, Brock Lesnar with his gimmick, because now like him as cowboy Brock, he's just you <laughs> look at him as just like a big teddy bear. But you know, the 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 elite, you know, those guys have never really given me vibes of like these guys can really do some damage in a bar fight. You know, I, I they give me a vibe of they're very good professional wrestlers, but as far as fighting is concerned, I don't think they could win fights. Well, they're all muscles, no form. Well, all form, no function. I, I mean, I mean, they have to be athletic to pull some of the things that they've been able to pull off. And they, they, yeah, but they can't win in a real fight. No, they can't. They can't. It's literally like even Kenny with those knees, like those, th- those are so easy. Like, cause his whole he offense is, yeah, their whole, his whole offense is like based off like street fighter two. And that's just, doesn't work in real life. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I want to see someone generically just have someone down on the ground and then just run up to him and V trigger. I, <laughs> I would pop for that. You know? Just a just a legitimate fight, just like boom, just hit him with a V trigger out of nowhere. Yeah, just a jumping knee to the chin. <sighs> you know, like when the guy there was this video circulating on Facebook, he does a pile driver, a legitimate pile driver. He drops this guy on his head, and the dude just gets right back up, no sells it, oh. stands back up, and then walks away. <laughs> I, I, that... That was something Road Warrior Hawk used to do. He used to take the pile driver from Jerry Lawler, uh, and he would take the pile driver and then no sell it. And then while he would be taunting, he would turn around and all of a sudden Hawk would just be there staring at him. Yeah, you know. And I so I think what and I love when people are just like, "Oh, the elite don't sell." It's like, well, there are certain people that got away with no selling for years. Yeah. The Undertaker got away with it, you know. Whole uh, sting. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, I think when people look at it, they're just like, well, the Young Bucks should be selling because it looks like a cold breeze could knock them over if they had to. And well, that's the thing. It's like, how many flips do they need to do for a Meltzer driver? Or, it's true. I mean, know. and I get that. I mean, and trust me, everything they do, they do a lot of things that are spectacular. I mean, they, as far they're one of the best tag teams I've ever seen as far as tag team combination moves and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the thing about the, the Bucks is that has always kind of bothered me is the fact that I don't think they're, other than their moveset, their gimmick's not really original because they're kind of like a combination of the Rockers and the Young and the Rock and Roll Express and like the Outsiders. They're like three different tag teams all at once. And then, and that's just their gimmick. And then, you know, Kenny is kind of, at least you can say he's somewhat of a, uh, you know, a one of a kind. I've never really seen a gimmick like that before. And that's true. Well, um, let's just talk about Kenny Omega. Okay. Briefly. Yeah. The man's a showman. Everyone doesn't get his gimmick. He's a absolute showman. Very inspired by theater. 
you know, very theatrical. Um, everything is... The thing I love about watching Kenny Omega wrestle is you don't need volume. No. There's, everything he does is so expressive. It's a feeling. It's this. He tells a story with his body movement. You know? I could tell you through his expressions what he's doing and you would know at the point of the match it's at. Right. If he does the long kiss goodnight finger gun, you know, V trigger in the rope, what's he setting up? The one winged angel. Right. You know? And I think that's a, a wrestler of that caliber is one in a generation, if you're lucky. We have more than that because I think in many ways we are in the new renaissance of wrestling where you have someone like an AJ Styles, a Roman Reigns, a Seth Rollins, a Kevin Owens. I mean, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Sam Punk. How many freaking people do I need? Darby Allen. Uh, MJF. MJF, Jericho. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to forget so many people. You no. could literally run out of hands in an auditorium naming how many good wrestlers that we have and how good wrestling is. Like in other promotions, Impact, NJPW, MLW, you were talking about earlier before the show, Game Changer Wrestling and other niche indies. Right. But like MLW this week signed Willie Mack. That's cool. I'm excited for them. I don't watch their product, I'll be honest. I know people who do like it. Um, there's not really anything going on this week with Impact or NJPW that's noteworthy. No. Particularly. But let's just be honest. How many alternatives do you get to watch per week on TV that are viable? They're, they're actually fun to watch. And I love watching Impact. You know? Uh, Impact has always had... They've, if anything, in the last... People sit there and they're like, well, they're, they don't have the, 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 they're not the driving force as they once was, but they're still in business. And they're still at least putting, they've quietly put out good content and good performers that they've had since, you know, the, the last six or seven years where they've kind of fallen off the radar, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, they had some bad luck with networks. They had a, somebody in charge that really didn't know what they're doing, were doing. Um, but also they didn't have the benefit of immediately coming out of the gate and you're on TNT on Wednesday nights. Yeah. They had to, you know, they, they fought for every, they started on pay-per-view weekly pay-per-views for $10 a month from a, you know, a, a build a, an arena that was on the fairgrounds in Tennessee in Nashville. And hey, that's where Rick Flair chose to do his last match. Exactly. And that, ended up having one of the biggest indie gates of the last quarter century over $400,000 of the gate. So, I mean, I mean, I don't know the paper. I've heard, I've heard it was like a million dollar house, like, uh, for, for the gate at least, but, um, it's also debatable. Is it? Yeah. Cause the independent show is an ROH show. I mean, the, I did see the the crowd. I think for the Friday night show, and you know you could tell on the hard camera, like the the 
TV side, the side they don't show, there were some empty seats. Are you talking um, about Rampage? Yeah. Yeah. But for, um, I mean, Dynamite, it looked sold out, and then it looked uh, sold out again for, um, and it was definitely sold out for All Out. Um, I've been there. I, 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 It's a nice arena. I yeah. was at All In. You know, I was at All In. And... Yeah, no, I'm, I wish I was there, because it was, it literally, that's kind of what started the renaissance of everything that's gone on the last five years. I mean, uh, it, with I remember watching that and thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I hope something comes of this and let alone within a four months it did. But, you know, I, when AEW first started, I remember just thinking to myself, I'm like, he cannot give these guys control. It's bad news. Like no company survives with that. Tony Khan got by for the first three years letting wrestlers run a wrestling company. Right. And that was fine when it was a boys club. Right. Right. And now that it's becoming a wrestling promotion and there's a huge distinction. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but when you think about a wrestling promotion, you have impact ROH WWE and JPW. Every right. one of those has drama. They all have drama. They all have the dirt sheets just fiending for the, the bottom feeders. You know, what's happening here? Who hates who? Who wants out? And there always, for a lot of years, that conversation with WWE. Now with AEW, it was, I'll be honest with you, there's nothing on the dirt sheets ever. Never. You know, barely ever a leak. No one even told anyone about Brody nope. when he was passing away. And that's what brought CM Punk. That's what brought Brian Danielson. And now after those guys come in, it starts to expose itself. And now after those guys come in, the new guys who everyone was so proud of being there, the Joey Janellas and the Allen Angels of the world, all leave. And aren't renewed. And then it's now more of the same that you see on WWE 10 years ago. And it's fine. Because we all wanted those guys in AEW to see what they could do with no restrictions, right? Right. We wanted to see an unchained Brian Danielson kick people's heads in. We wanted to see an unchained Claudio Castagnoli win a championship for once. That's what the fans have wanted for years. And you get it, and now you're mad about it because we're wrestling fans, and that's, I guess, what we're supposed to do. But I hate it. I I was thinking about that today because I was um um I was because as I'm approaching forty, you know, I think about um I was playing uh, WWE 2K22, and I remember just sit, sitting there, and I'm like people complained about this roster and then they're complaining about what's going on with AEW's game. And I'm just like, well, I grew up in the S the NES era when it was like, you were lucky to get six or seven or even eight wrestlers in a game. Mind you, now they can get into the triple digits. Um, and also with wrestling, how everything was tape trading 
um, you had to actually f- go to the store and buy a tape or rent one or rent a, uh, or set up some network with friends of people that you would have to find out and mailing lists. And it was so hard to be a wrestling fan back in the day. Cause it was like, if you wanted to get certain things, you actually had to work for it where now it's like, you can pretty much find anything easily accessible on any professional wrestler that has ever wrestled in the wrestling industry ever there are websites dedicated to it there are websites cage match i mean it's amazing when you can go in and see what was hulk hogan's win-loss record in wcw (laughs) you could just figure that out his win-loss record in japan yeah exactly and it's just like we have it so easy now and we have it so at our fingertips all this knowledge and all this um great stuff that's come out not only for content wise but also like just in general for everything's better like the wrestling figures are better the t-shirts are better the merchandise is better uh we have easy access to this stuff now we can watch every single pay-per-view and every single raw every single smackdown for five dollars a month why do we hate each other still (laughs) tribalism man that's what it comes down to it's just like anything in sports you know, um, I had a friend of mine ask me the other day, she's like, so you're a White Sox fan? And I go, yeah. She <laughs> goes, so you hate the Cubs? I go, yeah. She goes, why? I go, because it's a requirement to be a White Sox fan. It pretty she much goes, is. but that's not a good reason. I go, yes, it is. <laughs> and that was the end of that conversation. <laughs> she just doesn't get it. I mean, unless you're part of the fraternity, you don't understand why other fraternities suck you know and that's just it um it's almost like the secret password to get inside is the cup suck well i mean i'll i'm from boston so i'll uh so and i was rooting for the for the indians in 2016 to the dismay of the world that the cubs won the title won the championship still it's like good for them finally for winning. It's like, but at the same time, I was just like, because you wanted, because that was the storyline that you had to keep coming back to. It's like, and now that storyline had a payoff finally. So it's like, there are no real storylines in baseball anymore that I sit there and I'm like, well, you know, this is good because it's like all those hurdles now have been kind of conquered. You know, like, oh, the Mariners maybe winning a playoff game might be something big, but. <laughs> it's like uh but that's kind of cleveland browns i mean my problem with the browns is is that everything i well no it's just i had sympathy for them up until they got um watson when they got the sound then i then i lost the sympathy like then i was just like that's it like this is this was a heel turn because it was like you went from the lovable loser to you're selling your soul to try to win a championship. And it's like, uh, you know, it, it, it's not Kevin Durant level when he joined the warriors, but at this, cause it's a completely different situation. Like morally, I have more of a problem with what they did than I do like on the football field. Well, but see the thing with Watson is this, could you make, and this is really controversial. Yeah. I was watching a show earlier. It was called How It Really Happened, right? Yeah. It's on headline news. And they go through a whole bunch of 
interesting scenarios. Like this episode happened to be on Aaron Hernandez. And they were talking about how he finally, um, not finally, but how his life ended tragically. His life ended. And um, they end the show with, in your hearts, he's probably guilty. In the eyes of the law, he's still innocent. And I'm like, hmm. How weird of a juxtaposition that is. That's very weird. Because everything you hear about him and have heard about him for 10 years is he did it. O.J. Simpson, he did it. Jimmy Snuka, he did it. Yep. You know? And to have like that perspective shift. Ah, man. It kind of messed with my mind. You know? Well, I think that that's, I mean, it's kind of the narrative that's been, I mean, because for the last, going back to kind of punk, because it's kind of different, it's kind of relative, because it's like, when punk left in 2014, for six or seven years, all we heard was the CM Punk chants that people were chanting when they didn't disagree with something that WWE was doing. And when they finally got him back, it was a combination of, I think I noticed, I noticed there was a fan turn on punk way before the incident that happened last weekend and incidents that happened before that. So it was just like, okay, so all this chanting that you guys have made now for the last seven or eight years, pretty much is all for not now, because now you guys want him to go away. You got to think about why. Okay, so think about the what chance. Think about right. um, CM Punk chance, I guess. They're all anti-chance. Right. They're not chanting for CM Punk. They're chanting for what CM Punk represented. And his idea of change was exactly what happened. Right. And CM Punk lived long enough to see himself become the villain. And it's not a wrestling term of heel or baby face. CM Punk, the person, had all these great ideas for how to make wrestling better. The world just passed him by, and he's still saying, but it could have been me. And now he just seems like a toxic curmudgeon because all the ideas that brought him back to wrestling ultimately didn't need him in the first place. I I hardly ever agree with Meltzer anymore, but he did make a good point because I was listening the other day and he just said, in the 80s, I used to think that Bill Watts was one of the greatest minds in pro wrestling. And then when he came into WCW and me and him used to have a long conversation, this was like 92. He's just like, so he was out of the business from like 90, 87 to like 92. He's like, so about five years. He's like, in a five-year period, the business completely passed him by. So it's like, and that, and it clicked. I was just like, he stayed out too long. Yeah, he stayed out too long because, like the the whole industry at that point, like if he went back within a three or four year period, he may have been able to kind of keep keep that status quo. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. He stayed way too long. If AEW he stayed came out. out in 2015 or 2016, 
and Punk came back 2019. Yeah. You know, four yeah. years, right? Four-year stopgap or five-year stopgap. Would we be having this conversation? I don't think so. Because I no, think I th instead of they Jericho, been, yeah. I think CM Punk would have been that marquee face. They would have taken off. They would have been, I, I think they would have been in a much better position than they were, uh, than they would be in now. And I think that WWE would have been in a lot more, because that was also around the time that they were getting the Fox deal. That Because by the time that AEW came out, WWE was already in a financial position where it was just like no competition was going to hurt them anyways because of the TV money. Like AEW started the year that they were going to start on Fox when they were going to get that $200 million deal from Fox. And then they're getting between like three to four from like USA. So it was just like, we're getting $600 million a year from that alone. And then they made the deal with Peacock, which netted them another $200 million a year. Yep. And AEW is barely clearing between 35 and 40 million for their deal with TNT uh, TBS for Warner. And I mean, and supposedly that doesn't even cover like 15 of the top contracts that they have on the payroll. I mean, yeah, I understand they may have made a hundred million dollars this year, but how much went out the door is the question. Cause it's privately, well, you don't know much, that yeah. you don't know that information. No, we don't that, know they're, what their profit is. We don't know. We don't how much their merch sales were. And they and they have pro wrestling tees doing that. Like they got they don't have overhead for their merch, which you know is smart. But you know, and then they have their their deal with jazz wares and stuff like that. But being an avid wrestling figure collector as I am, I mean, I did get the CM Punk Walmart exclusive vest with this week, so I was happy about that. Uh, the timing of that was perfect, considering everything that's went on. But oh, uh, his hockey jersey. Do they promote that anymore? <sighs> I wanted to get that, but I also just thought that was a little bit too much for my blood. Um, I thought it was cheesy, but on the same point, I didn't want it on the same fact that it's not yeah. stitched. It's screen printed. Oh, yeah. that Yeah, that's a no for me. I'm glad I didn't buy that because I would have been. That's a no for me, brother. I would have been mad at that. I have to have stitched jerseys. <laughs> I yes, I agree. I agree. Um, I I. It's funny because one of my uh, Patriots jersey has 81 on it, and everybody was like, "Do you have an oh, Aaron no. Hernandez?" And I just turned around and I'm like, <laughs> "It's Moss." <laughs> I'm like, "It's only the greatest wide receiver in NFL history." All right, so I'm in a fantasy <laughs> football league, and yeah. um, the buy-in's 81 dollars. Yeah, and the team name who owns the league is Aaron's Angels. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> that's right up there with that guy who had i'm a better father than chris benoit t-shirt at the oh god <laughs> they just caught that on camera clashes like <laughs> can they, can I, they like what's kevin dunn doing isn't his job not to oh show that god i i think his job is trying to make sure that his buck teeth don't fall out of his head i think that's his number one job before anything <laughs> That buck tooth son of that a bitch. Buck, goddamn. <laughs> Bucky Beaver looking motherfucker. Kevin Dunn. <laughs> Fuck you. 
I wonder how bad, I wonder if Cornette was on Twitter this week and he just, he saw a queen trending and he thought to himself the Dairy Queen and went out of business. It's like, <laughs> no, it's just, it's just Queen Elizabeth Corny. Don't worry. And a WWE also must Dairy Queen. Wait, no, God no. damn, I thought it was Dairy Queen for a second. <laughs> thought I have to get a new spirit. burger place. Thought I almost filled my Sprite, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can you know, I wonder if him, uh, cause <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go with this for the queen. At least she waited after crash of the crash at the castle before clash of the castle before this happened. Like at yeah. least, cause if it happened like during Cl- clash of the castle, my God, with that crowd have just been like, that would have just overtaken everything at the show. Like, um, at least well, it just... happened after. You know, because I'm just mad that the yeah. show was actually good. Like, if he had died <laughs> and the show sucked, I would have been like, I feel you. But the show was good. Maybe she was trying to hold out a couple more days until Drew won the title. And then she was <laughs> then just she like, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> that was my last wish. No, it wasn't. <laughs> All this, uh, all, she's on the throne for like three quarters of a century, but yet at the same time, she needed to make sure that Drew McIntyre won the goddamn title at the end of this. <laughs> Didn't happen. She's like, no, 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 it just ended for her in broken dreams. It was just, you see this still. F- <laughs> did it, did. <laughs> that stupid sing along. Oh, that was the worst. Oh, God. I was just like, how much did you pay Tyson Fury to do that? Like, because whatever it was, you paid him too much. Like, (laughs) I get to sing at the end, don't I? What? No. (laughs) Go back to your hole. We're paying you to hit theory. We're not paying you to sing. <laughs> it just starts and wonder. No, <laughs> start singing. Hey, All right, Jude. so here, here you go. What if they had an app? Okay, it was Austin Theory as an assistant on your phone. You activated by saying, Hey, Theory. It was like Mike Tyson saying, Siri. <laughs> hey, Theory. Hey, Theory. <laughs> I I still want him to lose that briefcase just because it's like, dude, you're still another three or four years before I want you contending for a major championship. I'm sorry. He doesn't look like a champion. No, he doesn't. He looks he looks looks like a child. And that's like he should be on The Bachelor. Exactly. And like I understand why that's what they want to do. Like and it's I'm not I don't hate theory because he can work. He's a good worker. It's just my problem is it's just like you yeah, you look like a Abercrombie and Fitch guy, not like a wrestling guy. Yeah. You know, and it's like you should be doing the bachelor or some other like some real like the real world or something. Like and even that's <laughs> and people will be like, Well, the Miz, it's like, yeah, but the Miz is a personality. Like, yeah, the thing with the Miz is like, uh you either love the Miz or you just just hate him. I love him. I think he's great. Yeah. I I think he's uh, I. 
because he's he'll he doesn't say no to anything yeah. you know like he, he he's a guy that feels like that he's bulletproof he doesn't care if he loses he doesn't care if he wins because he looks at it and just says i'm bulletproof like either way tomorrow i'm still going to be in the same spot that i was yesterday and tomorrow i'll still be in the same spot like that's never going to change and i'm just going to get myself over anyways and ever like and also him and maurice are probably the best wrestling couple in on the planet right now yeah and she's elizabeth i mean that was such a tragic ending. I, it's a tragic ending for both because yeah. you you wanted to see Randy get that Hall of Fame induction finally and go in there. Um, I'm glad Lanny finally let that happen because I guess his thing was the whole family needs to be put in. It's like You're Lanny Poffo. It's like You're Lanny understood. Yeah, it's not the Poffos. It's it's about you, Randy. It's about like it's about you and your legacy that you created. You know, I understand the the how hot the how high you hold your brother and your father up, but still at the same time, Randy, you were the one carrying that load. I don't think yeah. your father and and would care if he was in the Hall of Fame or not, because he's just like I'm proud of you and your accomplishments and what you've done. Because you know, you, you think about it, it's like. If there was a Mount Rushmore of 1980s wrestling, he would be on there. I think it would be Hogan, Piper, Savage, and then Flair. And I'm leaving a lot, a lot of guys on that, but I feel like that if, if we're looking at the 80s, those four guys I think would be at the absolute top of the heap. I mean, just because of the fact of like, 90, 80s WWF is still 80s early 90s WWF I feel still feel like is the the absolute peak of pro wrestling. Uh I don't know if you saw the WrestleMania 1 biography but they were talking about um you know the connection that they had with MTV. I mean they just knew. They knew what the, the people were the young people were watching back then, you know, the demographics. Uh <laughs> <laughs> So it it's always been this this thing with them where it's like they've always tried to be kind of ahead of the curve and i mean they've done that now i mean you look at what they've done with logan paul yeah so i mean and, and the whole I, where i love it with aew fans and they're just like well wwe can have logan paul we don't want him it's like yeah you'd kill for him because he would bring you an audience that you guys would covet right now you want 18 to 49 you got to bring in logan paul and it's just it's just how it is and I've learned to accept it. I think Logan Paul's a good worker. I think he's got a lot of promise. I think he's a better performer right now than Dominic Mysterio. Well, we'll talk about that in another episode. Uh. <laughs> we got to leave the people with wanting something. So, yes, Dan, uh, let's 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 wrap this one up. Let's put it in the uh, in the shooter here and. Get it off into the ether for the internet to listen to. But um, where do people find you? How do we get in touch? They can find me on Twitter, Tier 1 DMB. Uh, they can find me on uh, 
Dan, at uh, Dan Burke, all one word on uh, Instagram. And also they can find me on YouTube, Mazza Media, every Thursday night at eight o'clock. Um, we'll also, you know, we also have our uh, Mazza Media Twitter page, Facebook, uh, and Instagram as well. So cool. And you can find me here every single episode with Dan. I am John. He's Dan. Thank you for listening to the Pro Wrestling World Podcast. We're out. Stop that recording.